Thank you for your giving, and thank you for being here this morning. Uh, we appreciate it. We know that uh, as the summer cruises along, you know, there are some that will be out and on vacation, and, uh, but it's great to come, and even in a busy season or in a busy vacation season, to come and to make church a priority uh, is fantastic. We, we really uh, we love that. Um, just so you guys know, my family's on vacation. Uh, Jessica and Logan are still up north. Reagan came down with me this morning, and uh, she's, she said, Dad, can I go to church? I said, okay. <laughs> I love that. And uh, she was, uh, that was exciting. But uh, I just want to honor Rick and Penny Hines. I know Rick uh, threw out his back yesterday, but Rick and Penny Hines, just get a little wave there, Penny. You're just awesome. But they have given... They've given my family a week vacation up on a lake at their lake house for free, and uh, it is a blessing, and we are excited. We went up on Friday night. We'll be there till this next Friday and be back on Sunday next Sunday, but I'm telling you, um, we are blessed, and uh, I'll be so relaxed next week. You won't know what to do. <laughs> I feel relaxed already this morning, and, uh, and I'm excited for what God has for us. Earlier in the week, I uh, put the final details on my message so I could relax this weekend, and uh, I was reviewing this morning, and my heart was just uh, excited for what God wants to do right here, right now. And I believe that God has a word for each and every one of us. And at the end of the service, we're going to have a chance to respond. And I want you to be prepared and to just kind of sow some seeds in that area right now that there's going to be time at the end to come to be in God's presence. And, uh, and we're excited for that and just to be able to respond to what God's word is. Now, today we're finishing a series that's been eight weeks long where we've been studying and we've been feeding on the Word of God. Many of you finished up this week, read through Revelation, the books of the Bible, a creative way to read through the New Testament, about six and a half chapters per day. And I just want to say I am so proud of you for tracking with us and getting through the material. For some of us, we said, man, that went by so fast, right? And then others of you are like, is this ever going to end, right? It's like, oh my gosh, the, the reading was pretty demanding, but you guys did it, and I'm excited for you guys. And I was thinking about it as we kind of come to the end. It's like, well, what do we do now? Do we just kind of coast for the rest of the summer? No way. No. I believe this summer, for the rest of, your, of this year, and for every year, for every month, for every week, for every day, we need to be feeding on the Word of God. It gives us our nutrition. It feeds us spiritually. And I was thinking about some of the benefits of what we've done as a church. And even if you've had a small part or you've done the whole thing, we, we realize that there's some benefits that have come. For some of you, it's the first time you've ever read through the entire New Testament. And I'm excited that you guys were able to do that. For others, the daily, the five days a week of reading has stretched you and it's kept you on focus. For others, the word in the commentary kind of put together in this creative way. Maybe you saw things a little different when authors were put together and, and it was just a, a neat way to read through scripture, that daily, alive, and active word getting it into our heart. Can we be honest? For some, we've struggled through the last eight weeks, right? Some ups and downs, maybe some starts, some stops. And let me just say, that's okay too. God knows, and, he's, and if you're hungry for the Lord today, eat today's meal. And if you miss a meal or two, 
don't try to make those up necessarily, but eat for today. And then for some, some of you didn't get on the bus, and that's okay too. <laughs> and we still love you, and you've been tracking with us on Sundays. But the goal for this series is that the Word of God would come alive to you and in your circumstances. And for the Word to do what it says that it is. In the Word, we kind of describe it, the Word describes itself as the daily bread, our daily bread, as water to our souls, right? The breath of God, the air that we breathe. And we know that and we see that, that if God's Word is true, what it says about itself, we, as God's people, can read it. And as we do, and as we apply God's Word appropriately, there should not be any malnourished, dehydrated, or out-of-shape or out-of-breath Christians spiritually. If we're eating on God's Word on a daily basis, we should be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I was thinking about that this, mor- or this week. On Thursday morning, I went for a run and uh, had a great run. Uh, Brandon w- went out with us, and uh, it was a good time. Um, but for the first time in a long time, in fact, I'm talking a couple years, I hit a wall running. Not literally hit a wall, but I, I, I was running, and I decided to kind of take the, the hard set of stairs up the second time. And about halfway up, I like got dizzy, and I had to stop, and I was like, I was out of breath. I'm like, oh, I thought I was going to uh, faint, and I thought, what in the world has just happened? And I'm realizing that, you know, getting ready for this Gateway 5K, I'm thinking, whoa, I need some work. I was struggling. I was gasping for air. And I was wondering later that day, that morning when I was studying, how many Christians live that way, where they're out of shape, they're they're oxygen depleted, they're dehydrated, malnourished spiritually, and we don't have to live that way. Why Why is it so important that we're feeding ourselves? Because the world will throw all kinds of crazy stuff our way stuff at you and stuff at me. The challenge that we face are real, and sometimes they're real hard. I want you just to take a moment and think about the greatest challenge that you're facing right now. Can you kind of capture what's the greatest challenge? Maybe raising your kids, maybe it's financially, or maybe something with work, or maybe um, you know some other area of your life. What's the greatest challenge that you're facing right now? And it can be tough. It can be hard. Sometimes It's out of the blue, like it was for me Thursday morning. And all of a sudden, we're going through life, and I'm out of breath. And we're out of breath spiritually. And it's like, whoa, what just happened? Let me give you an example of why this is so important. On Tuesday morning, um, I I called, I said, Pete and... uh, and Brennan, I said, come on, let, now that it's summer and uh, we don't have to get our kids to school in the morning, I said, let's get out early and let's spend some time praying and in God's presence. Let's put some worship music on. Let's get in God's word. Let's do it together. And we did on Tuesday morning. And it was awesome. We were feeding ourselves and, and God was there. And, and let me tell you, I needed that. And I didn't even know it was coming that day, but I needed it. Because later that day at lunch, I ran into a former a tender member of the Gateway Church, someone that had left pretty angry and, and really upset. 
and uh, had some issues with me and with the church, and we had resolved some of the things, but what was interesting is that I, I said, hey, how's it going? I saw them at lunch. They weren't all excited to see me, and, and for about three or four minutes, I got a verbal uh, tongue lashing and actually physically was like pounding on my chest, and I'm like, whoa, what's going on? I, was, I left the place shaking. The people that are there, I go there once or twice a week to Qdoba, and they, they, they're kind of watching this, and they're saying, what's going on? And literally, I was shaking, and they're like, do you want to take this to go today? <laughs> and I'm like, that might be a good idea. I came back to my office, and I, I couldn't believe what had just happened. I was just verbally and physically attacked. I was, like, I was like, what in the world is going on? How did I handle it? Well, I was in a good place. That morning, we had met with the Lord, and God was there. And so I'm thankful to say I handled it with grace. I needed my daily bread, that water for my soul, the breath of God. And if I hadn't had it that morning, I don't know how I would have responded. I may have given that person a piece of my mind or said something I would have regretted, or I may have hit that person back. No, just kidding. I wouldn't have done that. But the point is, is you never know what's coming. And things can pop up out of the blue. That was five years ago. And it was right on the surface for that person. And I prayed God's blessing on that person. The breath of God, the water, the bread of life for us. We can eat on it. We also said in the series that the word is also like a sword, right? It's our offensive weapon. We are well-trained. Uh, when we become well-trained with it, we can use it to be effective, to pierce into the darkness. Ephesians six seventeen says that the word of God is a sword of the spirit. And the word there is the rhema word. It's a spoken word. And it's not the spoken word like it's something magical or like a genie in the bottle. But we do understand that there is power in the spoken word of God when it's combined with God's will in our circumstances. God uses his word and Satan must respond to the spoken word of God. Satan knows logos. He knows the word. He knows it better than I do. He knows it better than you do. But there's power in the spoken word of God. It's alive and effective, and we must know it, and we must use it appropriately in our lives. It's our privilege to use God's word for his glory, for his honor. We also said in the series that the word is a lamp. It's a light. Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Aren't you thankful for that? But you know what? Many men it says, the, the Bible says, the man loves darkness. They choose darkness. But we know when we choose light that the light will overcome the darkness. The light, God's word, will overcome the darkness. That light will keep us from sin. It will redeem what has been lost. And the light gives us the direction that we so desperately need in our lives. And it's been an awesome journey over these last eight weeks, and I'm excited for the last piece this morning. But before I go on to the last piece, the kind of one more, one more thing that we can kind of sink our teeth into, I want to just share with you what's coming up. Uh, next week is Mission Sunday. We've got one of the best missionaries we've ever had at the Gateway Church is coming back, and it's going to be an incredible service, a uh, powerful service, and uh, we'll be ready to celebrate missions. And then in July and in August, we're going to do a series on the attributes of God. 
And I want to challenge us and to dig deep into God's Word. As I've been studying and reading through the New Testament, uh, uh, really for the last three or four weeks, I've been kind of sinking my teeth in this idea that, that do we even know who God is? in our lives. And if we really understood who God is, it would change us. And so I'm going to encourage you this summer, don't uh, just don't stay at home. Be here each and every week and grow with us and bring someone with you. And we're calling the series, God is blank, all right? We're going to talk for several weeks about the attributes of God. And then in the fall, I believe God wants us to uh, sink our teeth into God's word. We're going to do some expository preaching. I'm not sure exactly where we're going to land, but what that means is we're going to take a book of the Bible and we're going to preach through the book. And we're going to take some time this fall to do that. And I'm excited about that as well. But today we're going to wrap up the series with one more thought. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to two places. To Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, which we've been there about five out of the eight weeks that we've been in this series. Joshua 1, 8. And the other place I want you to turn is Psalm chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. All right? So we're going to actually start in Psalm 1, Psalm 1. 2 and 3, and then also put your finger at Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. And I'm going to just pray that God's word, as we read it, that it'll make sense, that it'll sink into our hearts. And again, if you're tracking with us here, if you're here this, uh, this morning for the first time, kind of gave you a little overview where we've been. Uh, if you want to follow along in the Bible, we're going to look at several verses. You can grab a Bible off the back tables at any time. Uh, you're more than welcome to do that. But let's pray and ask God to honor his word this morning. Lord, your word, it's increasingly important in our lives. We need it. It's our daily bread. It's the sword of the Spirit. It's a lamp to our feet. It's, uh, it's our next breath. That's how important it is for us to sink our, our, our teeth into. Lord, we honor your word. And we ask, Lord, that your word would speak to us this morning, in these next few moments, that your word would become alive in our hearts and our minds. As we look at a few verses, as we contemplate a few things, and help us, Lord, to respond appropriately. And Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Psalm chapter 1. We've read this a couple times in the series, but I want to come back to it because there's a, a little word in here that we're going to discuss and kind of uh, look at this morning. Psalm 1, verse 2. Uh, well, actually, let's start in verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight, the, the guy that's blessed, his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the word of God and the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaves do not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Now, turn with me to Joshua 1.8, but keep your finger there in Psalm 1. Joshua 1.8 says this, Do not let the book of the law, that's God's word, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. 
We've said in the last few weeks that we've looked at these verses, because we've read these a couple times at least at this, at this point, that we've kind of focused on that if we do what it says, if we, met it, if, we, if we get into God's Word, that it will cause us to prosper. It will cause us to be blessed. And if we take it serious, we would really get into God's Word, that we would understand the importance of that, and we would do that. But there's a word in there in both cases, and it's the word meditate. It says meditate on it day and night in Joshua. In, uh, in Psalm, it says on his law, he meditates day and night. And that word intrigued me. As I kind of, we were wrapping up the idea of, of Scripture, and we we're reading through the last bits of the New Testament. I understand that we must meditate on the Word of God. In the Hebrew, that word meditate means to ponder, to give serious thought to, to give consideration to. And then there was an interesting little bit. It adds with the implication of speaking. And I thought, what? To meditate, to consider, to ponder, to give serious thought to with the implication of speaking? Do you understand what that means? I didn't. It means that we, when we think about things, when we allow it to get into our souls, it gets to the point where we can share it or speak it because it's on our mind. And I want you to read those words that we need to meditate on the Word of God to the point where we can speak it, we can repeat it because it's on our mind. With God's Word, it's more than just a quick read, a minute here and there. It could be 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, two hours, five hours, eight hours a day to meditate on His Word. You say, well, how long do I have to meditate? How long, what would that look like for me? And I was thinking about that and praying, and I believe the Lord kind of dropped a word in my heart that as long as it takes for His Word to speak to you, to give you what you need. Because God's Word is alive. And we don't just read it just to read it, but we want it to read it so it sinks in. We can meditate on it. So it might be 10 or 15 minutes, 20 minutes. For some, it may take an hour or two meditating on His Word. Some, it may take four or five hours. It doesn't really matter. You say, well, man, an hour or two in God's Word, I don't see myself doing that. Or I'm not sure I have the ability to do that. Well, let me just ask you, how many of you have ever been to the movies? A couple hours sitting there, thinking about it, meditating, right? How many have ever seen the extended version of you know, some of your favorite movies? They go from two hours to four hours, maybe five hours. You have the ability to meditate. It's just what's your interest. <laughs> and our interest, I pray, is growing in God's Word. But what I want us to know is that when we meditate on God's Word, there is something miraculous that happens when we meditate on His Word. And I love David in his, in his Word. Um, chapter, uh, Psalm 119 
And we looked at this a couple weeks ago. Psalm 119, it tracks through, it really, that whole chapter talks about God's word in, uh, in a lot of different ways. But listen to Psalm 119, a couple of the verses that kind of popped out at me as I read through that again this week. Psalm 119.15 says this, this is David talking, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. Verse 23 says, though rulers sit together and slander me, your servant will meditate on your decrees. In other words, he's saying, look, I will meditate even though people have done me wrong. Even though people have have slandered me, have have done all kinds of things against me, I'm going to meditate on God's word. Let's look at verse 48. It says, I lift up my hands to your commands. Kind of like I surrender, right? He says, I lift up my hands to your commands, which I love. I meditate on your decrees. I love that. Verse 78, let's look at that. May the arrogant be put to shame for wronging me without cause, but I will meditate on your precepts. Boy, that meant a lot to me this week in particular with what happened on Tuesday afternoon. Verse 97, let's look at that. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate it. This is David talking. I meditate. I ponder. I consider its way with the implication of speaking all day long. One more, verse 148. Uh, flip maybe another page over. It says, my eyes stay open through the watches of the night. Have you ever been up in the middle of the night saying, what in the world, I can't fall asleep? Yeah, last night maybe, yeah. I kind of was up all night this last, last night too. I didn't want to oversleep and we had an hour and a half drive in and I'm like, I kept on waking up looking at my clock. But it says, this is David, he says, my eyes stay open through the watches of the night. Why? That I may meditate on your promises. Are you that hungry for the Lord? That you would stay up through the night? I remember when I was a young man, there was a, uh, several times that I would do that. I would just, uh, in fact, one night the Lord had spoke to me, it's something I needed to do the next day, and I kind of wrestled with God most of the night on a Sunday night after church. And I, I, I remember those moments, and I was in God's Word, reading and letting those words just wash over me, and it filled me, and it, got, it, it helped me make the right decision the next morning. And, uh, and uh, it's too long of a story to explain. But we have a choice to meditate on God's Word. But instead of meditating on God's Word, so often we meditate on all kinds of other things. We meditate on bitterness, or we think about anger, or we consider or ponder uh, our arguments, or for some, it's a lust that we worry about or that we get, our, get caught up in or our finances and money, or our relationships, or any number of obsessions. Even good things we can meditate on and replace God's Word. Our hobbies, or our sports, or schools, or work, whatever the case. And what happens, we neglect the Word of God, which is really the life that we need. I'm proud of our, one of our board members, Jeff. He's in the back here. Jeff Simon, just give a little wave here. Uh, he was my partner through this reading, and we were trying, you know, trying to keep each other accountable, getting in God's Word. And uh, a few weeks ago, I said, hey, how you doing? He's like, Pastor, I'm doing pretty good. But he says, sometimes I, I get to a verse, and next thing I know, it's 20 minutes later, and I'm like, oh, I got to go, because he'd been pondering 
considering what that word was for him. And it's that meditation that feeds us and helps us to grow. And, and I love that about Jeff. The point is, is that there's something miraculous that happens when we do that in our lives. You say, well, why the miraculous? I don't get it. What, is, what happens? Well, there's a couple things that happen. And uh, I want to look at a couple verses here. The first one is 1 Peter chapter 1. If you could turn with me there. 1 Peter chapter 1. And the first thing is that God's word is a seed. And I love this. How many know that God's word talks about uh, sowing seeds? Pastor Pete mentioned it today in the offering, that you sow seeds and you reap in a different season, right, than you sow and all those things. And the Bible says that sometimes we'll get a 30 or 60, even to a 100-fold return. It's an investment. And so I want you to read these a couple verses here with the idea of an investment into our lives. Listen to what it says. It says, Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply. That's, our, that's one of our goals. For the, from the heart. How in the world will we love our brothers? How does that can ha- happen? How is that possible? For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, that seed that would be thrown away, eaten, or destroyed, trampled on, but of imperishable through the living, enduring Word of God. We do that. We love. We grow because of the Word of God, the seed, the imperishable seed, the seed that will not be destroyed. And then I love what it says, all men are like grass, and all the glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, right? All these things in this life are going to fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. It's an investment into our lives. God's word is a seed. The word is an investment. You say, well, I don't see any progress. I read through the whole New Testament with the church, with the $100 that, that were doing it, I just don't see it. I'm doing the baby steps. I'm doing the work. I'm not a slacker. Like, what about Bob said, uh, if, you, uh, if you're familiar with that? But let me just say, the reward is coming. Don't stop. Don't dig up your seed and say, where did I plant that? Right? Don't give up on the seed that you've planted in your heart. You know what God's Word says? It says that his word will not return void. That's an imperishable seed. And God's word is a seed into our lives. The harvest is coming. You reap in a different season than when you sow. And so some of you have been sowing and sowing and sowing in God's word. You've been you know, uh, getting God's word inside of you. And the harvest will come. The benefit will come. The blessing will come. We saw it in Joshua 1.8 and Psalm 1, 2 and 3. The, you, whatever you will do will prosper because of that. A couple more things, and i got to hustle here. The miracle of God's Word is not only a seed, but the miracle happens because God's Word is alive. We looked at this verse a couple weeks ago, Hebrews 4.12. The Word of God is alive. It's sharp. It's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, and it pierces into the darkness. It helps us to live a victorious life, and that's why we, there's the miraculous that can happen, because it's alive. And ultimately, the miraculous happens 
when we get God's Word inside of us because of what the Word is. Turn with me one last time to John chapter 1. Again, we were kind of looking at some of these verses on many occasions. We're doing that because it's so important for us to understand. Listen to what it says in John chapter 1, right at the beginning. It says, In the beginning was the Word. Everyone say, The Word. And the Word was with, or was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. And then in verse 14 we see the progression. The Word, everyone say the Word again. The Word, the word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Jesus Christ is the Word. And when you meditate on the Word, I love what Revelation 19.13 says. It's describing Jesus. You read this this week. And it says, And His name, talking about Jesus, is the Word of God. It's on page 449 um, in, the, in the books of the Bible. When we meditate on Jesus, on the Word of God, Something miraculous will happen in your life. And I've got to warn us that because when you, when you hear that, you can kind of get the, the image that, boy, if I do this, you know, it's almost like I'm rubbing the, the magic lamp and all of a sudden the genie comes out and I get whatever I want. And I think we have to be careful. We believe God's word that whatever we, when we meditate on his word, when we meditate on Jesus, the miraculous happens but it's not some sort of super spiritual magic potion. Instead, it's the Spirit of God alive and working in us. And what's interesting is I got some, pers- uh, some perspective on this from 1 John chapter 5. Turn with me there. We read this this week, and uh, I, I love 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. We read it a couple nights ago um, when we were camping. Uh, it was awesome. But in 1st John chapter 5, it kind of gives us some perspective on God's will or praying for His will and understanding um, His will. Listen to what it says. It says, this is the confidence. Am I in the right spot? Yeah, this is it. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. When we meditate on His Word, when we're approaching Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask... We know that we have what we asked of Him. Now, you may read that on the first blush and be like, wow, whatever I ask, it's mine. But you got to understand that we're asking, we're coming to Him, we're knowing Him, we're meditating on Jesus. And then there's a little phrase there, according to His will. And that's an important distinction. It's a very important distinction. According to His will, which we find primarily in His Word. Does that make sense? We look to God's Word to find His will. We meditate on His will. And then, according to His will, we get direction and favor and power. And then we ask God according to His will, and it will be done. It will be done. 
I'm excited to explore that in the Attributes of God series that we're going to talk about over the summer. It's really powerful, some things there. But I want you to know that God promises to hear us. He hears every word. And we have what we have asked for. The bottom line is that when we are meditating, when we are pondering, considering, when we're thinking about giving serious thought to with the implication of speaking, to be able to repeat it, to share it with others, the result is knowing God's will. Then we ask accordingly, and it's ours. When I was a kid's pastor, I loved the illustration that uh, Willie George came up with, I'm sure. And it was the illustration of a cowboy with his lasso, you know? When you pray, he says, prayer is like a rope. Uh, and it kind of takes faith to do it. But what do you do with a lasso? You kind of you wind it up and whoop, and then boom, I got Pete, right? I got him, all right? He's there. Don't move, brother, because I'm coming to you. I've got him. I got my answer that very day according to God's will, right? But do I've got Pete in my hands yet? No, but I keep on praying, and I still got him, and I got him, and then I got him, <laughs> right? Faith is like a rope. Our prayers are like a rope, and we get what we pray for when we pray according to God's will. And it's tricky. We don't always understand God's will. But where do we get understanding? It's in the Word of God. And that's why we've been sinking our teeth in it and asking God to fill us with the Word. And by the way, this is not in my notes, but we don't just eat and eat and eat just to become fat Christians, do we? How many know, uh, it was funny, at our board meeting a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about uh, eating or something, and uh, one of the guys, their blood sugar had spiked, and, and someone said, you know, one of the ways to combat that is to take a walk 30 minutes after you eat. Pretty smart, right, Pam? <laughs> and uh, it's important to do some exercise, and it gets our bodies going. And when we walk out our faith, do you know what that means? That means sharing our faith, investing in someone else's life. And letting God do that. Otherwise, we become fat, fat Christians. And we don't want to be fat. We want to be mean and lean. And uh, have you ever shook Paul's hand? Brother, you're fit, brother. You must work at it. And uh, I love that. And, and we need to be fit believers. And uh, I love that. And that God would do a, such a work in our lives that when we look at us, that we would be uh, spiritually fit. All right. One last verse. We're going to conclude this whole, the whole series, and we're going to have some time for response. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9 is where we're going to look, but I want to read a couple verses before that. Philippians chapter 4, uh, let's start in verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I like what verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in, pr in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And you know what? A lot of times we just stop right there. But listen to what it says right after that. Paul is finishing his work. In fact, Paul is the one who wrote most of uh, the New Testament, more than anyone else. Listen to what he's saying as he's wrapping up his thoughts, or actually they're God's thoughts. It's God saying it, but Paul's the writer. And he says this. He says, finally, it's like a big breath, finally, 
And I can almost hear the Philippian readers, our, our listeners, being like, all right, finally, what, what's the last thing? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. Now let me ask you, is God's word true? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, is God's word noble? Is it, can we stand on it? Can we take it to the bank? Whatever is right, whatever is pure, is God's word pure? Absolutely. Whatever is lovely, have you learned to love God's word? I hope so. I hope that's growing inside of you. It's growing inside of me. Whatever is admirable, is God's word admirable? Absolutely. Whatever is excellent or praiseworthy. Think about these things. And that word think right there is the same word to ponder, to, um, to dive in, to, to meditate, to understand, to consider with the implication of being able to share it, with the implication that we could speak it. Finally, brothers, finally, Gateway Church, as we're wrapping up, reading the New Testament in eight weeks together, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Meditate on those things. In the NASB, it says, let your mind dwell on these things. In the Amplified, it says, think on, weigh, take account of these things. Fix your minds on them. And then in verse 9, it wraps it up. And it says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, or whatever you have read these last eight weeks, right? Whatever you've sunk your teeth in, however little or much you've done in the Bible reading plan for this time, it says, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Put it into practice. Put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I'm curious this morning as to how the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning. I believe he's speaking different things to different people through the message, through his word. And my question to you this morning is, what is the proper response for you today? Not for your neighbor, not for your spouse, not for your kids, not for your parents. What is the proper response for you today? Today, what we plan, what I've, I believe the Lord wants us to do is to open up the altars for a few moments, to spend some time with our Heavenly Father. And the Lord might prompt you to grab your Bible, come to the altar and do a little reading, maybe meditate on some of the words that we read today. It may be that you have come this morning with something on your heart that you need to respond 
at the altar. We talked about it earlier, salvation. You may need the Lord to come into your life today. Don't leave here without accepting Jesus as your personal Savior. You may have come today with an ailment, some sort of healing that you're believing God for. And I believe God wants to meet you this morning at his altar. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to invest in your life, to saturate your life. Or maybe you're here this morning just saying, Pastor, I'm hungry. I'm hungry for God. I want all that he has for me. And as we finished our reading this last week, and I already mentioned it in in worship, in Revelation, it says to come. And you know what? At that moment when the trumpets sound and we're all, we all meet with Jesus, how many know that is not going to be an awkward moment? It's going to be natural. We're going to be in the presence of God. And this morning, after I pray here in just a second, I want you to know that the call is to come, to be in God's presence, to be feasting on His presence, And I want you to know, first of all, you're not going to be alone. There's going to be others that are going to come. The elders will come. The the board members will come. And we're going to pray and we're going to seek the Lord with you. But not only that, it's not going to be awkward. It's going to be natural. The enemy would love to say, oh, just you can stay right where you are. You don't need, you don't need any of that. Or you've already experienced great worship today. No. The challenge this morning is let's worship. We are here to meet with God. And John, his response in the end of Revelation, he worshiped God when he got the revelation. He worshiped him. And he encourages us to worship him. And this morning, our response, I believe, is to worship, to come, and to be at his feet. And so I'm going to ask that everyone would stand, and I'm going to pray. And whatever the Holy Spirit's saying to you, I want you to respond in a proper way. And there's no, if you don't move, we're not going to say, oh, look at you. No. But are you hungry this morning for everything that God has? We've left a few moments here at the end of the service to press in and to seek the Lord. And I believe God wants to do just that this morning. Let me pray. And then the altars will be open. And, uh, have to go, you certainly can. But this is a place of worship, a place of prayer, to meet with God, to read and to feast on His Word. Please refrain from talking um, until you get out in the lobby, all right? All right, let's pray. Lord, we're here as your servants. And our heart this morning is to respond to your Word in a proper way. What's proper for me, Lord? How should I respond? What are you speaking to me this morning through your word? And Lord, help me to respond appropriately. Lord, your word says to come. All those who are thirsty, to come. Those who are weary and burdened. I love what your word says. It says it's your word that your yoke is easy. But the one who wishes Take the free gift of the water of life. Lord, your word is water. It's a water of life for us. Help us to sink our teeth into that this morning. 
And Lord, we're here to meet with you. Meet us now. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Lead us, Brennan. And as the Lord leads you, let's respond. However the Lord will be leading you this morning.